calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Welcome to my vagina, I'm Jessica Karen. <laughs> I'm Rebecca Frank. <laughs> Here we are again, having our current historical, hysterical, infuriating conversation about our lives as vagina-having organisms. All content made up on the spot, but probably researched. Just kidding, it's definitely researched. Oh, hey, today we're interviewing Lee, who is a pro-dom and sex worker advocate. So before we ask you... Uh, a little bit about yourself, which I will. Um, we kind of wanted to do a little icebreaker. Sure. Uh, how do you feel about Mary Fuck Hill? Oh, God, I love Mary Fuck Hill. Yeah? I yeah. But I, I will say that the the fact that you unpacked it as Mary Fuck Kill is quite telling about your psyche. Because uh -oh. for me, it's always Fuck Mary Kill. Uh, mine's Fuck Trucker Mary. What's Fuck Trucker Mary? Well, See? Fuck. And then Truck, you put someone in a truck and they go off a cliff. Oh, no. Nice. I don't know. I think we just started doing it because it rhymed. I like Bucks that. Track or Mary. It also gives you a little bit of like um, plausible deniability yeah. should that person ever come back to haunt you in a ghost-like situation. Well, exactly. Like, I you just pushed the truck. Yeah, I just wanted to put you in a truck. Yeah. You didn't put the truck in park. That's what happens when That's you leave happens. it a neutral buddy. It's on you. Yeah. 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 It's really on you. Which is why you didn't fuck or marry them. That's, exactly. I like it. Victim shaming. I love it. <laughs> Victim shaming. Uh, Kellyanne Conway, Mike Pence, and Putin. Nice. I, I like boundaries. Boundaries work well for me. If you would have just said in general, Mary fuck kill, I think I would have been at a loss. But now we've gone the political route. I'd mm -hmm. say probably, huh? This is cool. Um, <laughs> I like this. <laughs> so I would f actually fuck Kellyanne Conway. Okay. Um, because I really love ball gags. Cool. <laughs> And Ooh, to shut yes. her up would be like a deeply patriotic act nice in my dream. life. Okay. Um, yeah. yeah. No. Some people want to make million dollars. I just like to to shut her up and and, and make her scream and cry. So, <laughs> Kellyanne Conway, I would definitely fuck her. Can I hybrid this? Why yeah, not? Sure. Shoot it. Yeah. Let's, Why not Let's experiment. I'm into creativity. I would probably be in like a poly marriage relationship with Putin and Mike Pence. And the reason why is one would kill the other. Like Ooh. I would pent them against each other. And that way it would be like kind of a twofer. Genius. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like Not eventually the hyper patriotism of yeah. Mike Pence would overcome the totalitarianism of right. Putin. And then Putin just likes to kill people for shiggles. So one would happen at some point and then I would remain hands free, cleany, cleany. <laughs> As my husbands killed each other. Right. And you get to watch the cage match. Correct. The well, other thing is <clears throat> if you marry both of them and one kills the other, you still have your kill option open. Correct. Yeah. So mm -hmm. Also true. Or they would just kill each other right. and then I would collect all of the insurance monies. <laughs> I wanted to fuck Mike Pence because I really, really want to wear a strap on. Yeah. And like, I just feel like, you know, that would be his comfort. I really want him to get fucked. Yeah, absolutely. Um, mm. Kill Putin and then... Uh, yeah, I, I was, I was going to marry Kellyanne because I feel like I could fuck with her. Yeah. For like, you could play a long game. Yeah. yeah. Like the long con and make her pretty miserable. I like it. <laughs> I like it. No, it's thinking outside of the box right there. Cause I, I mean, Putin has no boundaries and like, mm -hmm. there's no way I could marry that man. And I'm afraid of what he would do in the bedroom. Mm. Fair, yeah. fair assessment. I definitely have to kill Putin. I 
my feeling is that he doesn't love the juice. <laughs> so probably be <laughs> better. That's also a fair assessment. Yeah, better for me if he was mm. dead. Or anybody. Or anybody. Who's not a white male. But wouldn't it be Russian. hilarious if this was all actually just like a very Sasha Baron Cohen con of his? Like what if he's just like the most vanilla human on earth yeah. who's actually like super, super capitalist and like, you know what I mean? Delicate and like, in bed. Delicate <laughs> and just fragile. And this is his, this is his long con right. for all of us. I think that would be pretty like, extraordinary. Strokes your face before coming kind yeah, of situation. Exactly. <laughs> cool. Single tear. Yeah. Oh, these people, I like to just imagine that they end at the head and I'm stuck there now. <laughs> I'm so sorry. So why are American women protesting? Huh? In Russia, women have no reason to protest. Listen to this woman. Hello. I am Olya, a Russian woman. I am so happy. Each day I wake up with big smile on my face like this. Ah! <laughs> my president is number one hottie for all time. Oh, 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 that's a lot, but it's fair. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself? You know, it's always funny when people ask you to talk about yourself because like I find myself fairly boring of a human, but I'm sure that other people don't see it in that way, which is probably the reason why I'm sitting here and, you know, right, right, yeah. doing an interview <laughs> with you. But, you know, like your life is always kind of it's your life. You know what I mean? So, yeah, when people ask me what I'm up to, I'm like, I, I'm nothing. Yeah. I'm like, let's talk about anything. something funny that I can deflect about. Um, <laughs> no, I, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want to be vulnerable. I have control issues, uh, which is the reason why um, I. I make my living as a professional dominant mm -hmm. um, in BDSM and fetish. And uh, but there's vulnerability in that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, there's always kind of like the surface of things, the way that it appears and then what it actually is. I'm uh, also a, a sexual rights activist and a community based researcher aspiring to be a an academic researcher mm -hmm. in human sexuality. And yeah, I do a lot of. Uh, Stuff involving the sexy time. All right, let me help. Yeah. For the love of God, tell me about fetish wrestling. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> fetish wrestling. Um, yeah, so I, I'm a martial artist, and so I, I, I do sessions that incorporate wrestling. Mm -hmm. And um, If I start crying, it's only out of happiness. <laughs> <laughs> deep, abiding joy. Um, yeah, I, I, I wrestle people for money. Okay. It's, it's really that simple. Is it is your heart so happy right now? Update Jesse's crying. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty much exactly like that. Um, it's for some people, it can be an, an intellectually kind of erotic experience. It's not so much of a physical one, mm -hmm. to be honest. Whereas when you have other types of sex work, which is what this falls under, even though it's fetish work and I don't have, you know, sex with my clients. Um, it, it has a certain erotic uh, appeal, mm -hmm. and so then it can fall underneath that title of, of sex work. In that particular case, fetish wrestling, a lot of times is the idea that like a femme-presenting person would be wrestling a, a man or a masculine-presenting person, and, and sort of the physicality is the appeal itself. The idea that here's a person that appears to be weaker, society says it was weaker, or doesn't have the, the physical muscle mass that somebody else would have, but yet has the ability to subdue them and submit them. So that's the kind of idea behind it. Um, and I'm a genderqueer person. So, you know, a lot of people don't, don't know that when they book me, you know, so they will be like, Oh, it's a lady that's wrestling me, you know? Um, Oh really? Yeah. So I, I get both clients. I get clients, um, that book me because I'm genderqueer and I do fetish work as both male and female. Um, and then I get a lot, especially in wrestling that don't know that. Okay. Right. So they just sort of see my physicality and, you know, just assume that I'm a super butch looking chick. Then I also, um, you know, do a lot of mostly fetish sessions, things involving other aspects of BDSM and fetish play. Okay. Yeah. What, what does BDSM offer people? What does BDSM offer people? Um, it offers them experiences in short experiences that are cater made to what all parties are interested in, you mm -hmm. know, so there's a negotiation time period where you sort of talk about your interests and see if that lines up with what their interest and skill set is. And if it's a good fit, then you would have a session and um, maybe explore those things or maybe withhold the things that you said. Mm -hmm. 
that you were going to explore as a form of like psychological torture or manipulation yeah. of that <clears throat> boundaries wise is negotiate negotiated in advanced in, in, in advance. And, um, yeah, that's the idea is that you're creating experiences for people that they wouldn't be able to have on their own. Mm. Um, many times they're erotic. Sometimes they're not. I have asexual clients. I have clients that are physically disabled. It's not an erotic experience for them. It's more of a psychologically exciting or engaging or connective experience. So oh, yeah, cool. it can be a lot of different things to a lot of people. Yeah. You know? What's that? It's a dog. <laughs> oh, <laughs> love the sound of like a dog <laughs> through the door like what are you guys breathing doing heavily. in there <laughs> breathing heavily it's happening. incredibly creepy it's wonderful oh my god like... i'm used to it in a very different way <laughs> usually that, that that dog will have a human attached to it but. um in your uh, in the article that you were quoted in the time article um i know you it was one of your friends that had said it but the idea that uh, that sex workers are experts in consent was yeah. like really kind of like tickled my brain a lot because I think that at least in the main, and you obviously know this way better than I do in the mainstream conversation. I don't think that, that there's like much power put on sex workers in general mm -hmm. in terms of their career and direction that thing goes and stuff like that. And it, it all seems like the way that everything's laid out. It's, it's a disempowering thing as opposed to an empowering thing or a thing that someone has control over just given like where we're at right now with Me Too, if you could talk a little bit about like how you think uh, the sex work industry can fit into that conversation, because I sure. think it's just been absent that in the main conversation that I've been hearing, which is really shitty. Yeah, no, I think you're spot on. Um, Melissa Bruto is the person that said that originally. She wrote an article about it. I think it might have been in BuzzFeed, if I'm remembering correctly. She's a good friend of mine, another sex worker. Um activist and she also is the co um director for soar institute which is a sex worker organization and it's also for folks that are survivors of human trafficking as well um and that nuance right there the idea of being a person who runs an organization for um folks who engage in sexual labor and then also for folks that have been exploited in labor that nuance right there is the problem with the me too movement there is no room for nuance. And that's a problem with sex in general and the conversations that we're having. We like for things to be black and white in our culture. It's an American thing. It's a human thing. But it's particularly nasty now because we need villains because we all feel like I think we're spinning out of control. And having nuanced conversations is very difficult, you know. And I think that in, even more so when we're trying to find boundaries and we're trying to create models of sexual education – for the younger generation and for people and to tell them how to behave appropriately without creating um, problems, without um, misinterpreting cues. As we're trying to create these models, we're having a very difficult time having nuanced conversations. And that's what I'm seeing. That's the reason why sex workers are being left out because we live in a nuanced world. We live in a world um, where you have to talk to us to, to figure out how we feel about our own work. Because the way I feel about my sex work is completely different than someone else's experience. And for me to put my value system on it is not only inappropriate, but it's really missing the mark in a greater conversation, which is sexual labor is labor, period. And like any labor, people have different feelings about their labor. There are folks that were coerced into becoming doctors and attorneys because their parents wouldn't pay for their schooling otherwise. But we don't have conversations about coercion with them. Mm. That's an acceptable form of coercion, right? That we have said, that's fine. Yeah. You're forced right. into that, you know, okay, that's acceptable. But we have other aspects that we say that's not unacceptable. And that's based upon our value system. So the conversations that we're not having in Me Too are because we live in our, our lives in a place, in a bit of a gray area for a lot of people. Maybe it's not for us, but it's for them. Mm -hmm. And it's based upon their value system of black and white, that this is how we live. And if you engage in sexual labor, then, you know, a lot of the conversations from some radical feminists are that, you know, that we have no option of having consent because we're playing into the patriarchy. I have overwhelmingly female couple clients, genderqueer people, transgender folks, asexual clients. And these are not the things that anyone wants to hear about. They want it to be a bad sexed out John 
that's oppressing women by objectifying them for money. Mm -hmm. That's the very easy go-to. That's Mm -hmm. the easy narrative. It's low-hanging fruit. And largely it's been supported by a lot of, in fairness, well-meaning folks that want the, you know, they want the liberation of women. Right. They want to see all women not exploited. But in the process, they don't realize that they're becoming the pimps themselves. Mm-hmm. When you tell a woman or any person how to behave with their body and you give them a value judgment that they don't have for themselves, you are controlling their body and, and creating an environment of toxicity for them. And in a way, it's exploitative, mm. even if it's well-meaning. So I think the reason why we're not being a part of this is because we're messy and we're murky. And it's not easy to have a conversation with people about sexual labor, mostly because of its criminalized status in our country. Mm. And when you have something that's inherently criminal, I could very easily be a marijuana activist 25 years ago, right? right. And people have different perspectives about it. Some people use marijuana, so they may be a little bit more mar- like, you know, liberal. Mm-hmm. Some people use sex workers, so they may be a little bit more liberal, but they wouldn't necessarily talk about it publicly 25 mm. years ago. Right. And that's where we're, we're sitting ourselves right now. I really believe that the sex worker rights movement is where the marijuana legalization movement was about 25 years ago. Mm. And I think that we're going to see it move into some form of legalization, probably on a city by city basis. And that is going to help us be able to have conversations about consent not to rabbit trail too, too far, because your question was about how we're experts of consent. Mm-hmm. I think all this is how we're experts of consent. Right. That we can have nuanced conversations and, you know, really research and data is where it needs to be. We need to be having conversations with social scientists and other scientists and be having more data mm-hmm. on the causes, the health benefits, the potential problems for sex work. As a person who wants to be a researcher, I'm not sitting at a place that it's going to be all all the time healthy roses. You know, alcohol for some people is very bad, right? It's like, it's not a good thing for them. Yeah. You know, drugs for some people, really bad. Mm. You know, it's not a good thing for their lives. But in order for us to have conversations about certain factors, you know, predispositions and all these kinds of things that, you know, somehow sometimes get people to misuse quote unquote freedoms, mm-hmm. right? Then we're not, we're not going to move forward because we don't like nuance. We want it to be good or bad. And I, you know, I have the same problem with like, you know, sort of this hyper radical perspective that says every type of sex is amazing all the time, wonderful in every way. It's like, that's not true either. Yeah. Right? You know, it's not true that we can say for a person who is neglecting their home responsibilities you know, that has uh, OCD or addiction issues and just happens to latch on to sex workers, Mm -hmm. right? Or has uh, violent tendencies and thinks that sex workers are an easy target. Mm -hmm. Those are the conversations we need to have as well. But they're nuanced conversations. And I usually don't like to engage in with people who don't understand that there's nuance here because it's just, it's a futile like argument. (laughs) Yeah, You know what I mean? Because if you want to say that a sex worker is amazing and it's always fantastic, I'll probably won't agree 100% with that person. And the opposite is true. Right. A person who's like almost hyper religious. Yeah. And nothing yeah. is, right? Nothing is black or white. Yeah. yeah. I don't know. It's like, you know, it's hard enough to even get people to have a conversation about like consent versus coercion and like mm-hmm. the difference between those two words. Yeah. As it's been, you know, like a, in some ways, like cathartic experience to know that like none of us are the only ones who've experienced a thing, even though sometimes it feels like it is. It's also just goes to show you how limited our ability is to have a large scale conversation that's actually inclusive of different experiences and different people and and actually says like, yeah, we all might have had some sort of experience on the spectrum, but none of those experiences were the same. None of our reactions were the same. None of, you know, the factors were all the same. So we have to be able to talk in a in a bigger way and allow more voices in because that's how we actually get somewhere an argument I'm quite frankly tired of having in like all facets. I mean, it's a small example, but like yeah. hat calling in general, I have had that constant conversation with people who are like, oh, so that just means I, I can't hit on a woman. And I'm like, I'm not some romantic boot stomper over here. I just don't want somebody to be like, hey, what's the color of your birth canal look like on the street? <laughs> you know, like there's a difference. There are nuances. And again, super smaller scale. But, you know, no. I'm, I'm tired of having that conversation on all levels. It's, it's exhausting, and I think we're exhausted. And that's the reason why 
it is blown up in the way that it has because when you when you start looking at social trends and when they hit the tipping point something extraordinary happens in general and so what i believe that we hit with me too is the fact that we were fucking exhausted mm. from this shit <laughs> and finally it hit a place where we could safely be like oh wait maybe we <laughs> don't have to deal with this <laughs> right and it was like almost a question mark that i feel like we were sort of throwing out to the you know the culture and being like question mark do we have to deal with this right. and seeing what the response was back because a lot of times when you decide that you're fed up with some bullshit there's a lot of risk factors you're putting yourself out there to be a target Mm-hmm. And we could see that early on with the folks that were coming out early on to be a target of the fucking trolls of the universe mm-hmm. that said, we're going to re-traumatize you and put you through more emotional and p- potentially physical violence. Mm-hmm. Right. So these are like things that, and you know, believing a hundred percent, which, uh, which is, is also emotionally violent. Yeah. yeah, of course. And it's exhausting too. So, but I think that you, I think it's, fucking fine like i think it's fine <laughs> i think that they should just like for the guys for the fucking dudes out there that are like i can't in on a woman anymore if your idea of hitting on a right? goddamn woman was to cat collar and suddenly we pulled the tools out of your toolbox then bitch you better pull your dick out of that toolbox as well if that's the only tool you had yeah like that's not a game that kind people right argue yeah. against like, I don't have the, you know, the, my guy friends that are the dutiest dude motherfuckers in the world mm-hmm. are not complaining that they right. can no longer hit on it. I'm like, you're the reason we're having this bitch. Yeah. Because yeah. if that's the reason why you feel so emasculated, right. oh, I can't hit on her anymore. <laughs> you're the <Right>. reason. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, that, that that's the sound of their penis, by the way. I don't know <laughs> if you know that. In my mind, eh, I can't. It's very like Amy Schumer's kind of. Self-depreciating in mind. That's like the sound of their little tip of their little dicks. Oh, why don't you want to put on it? <laughs> I want to wear your vagina like a hat. <laughs> Let me in there. Let me in there. It's just this whiny fucking. Get back to me. to me. You know, because the, the alternative is more difficult. Someone who is confident and thoughtful mm. and can say. I'm attracted to you. How do you feel? Yeah. Uh, you know, one of the things I was talking on another podcast, I won't read, but you, know, <laughs> you can mention yeah, it. Semi Woo on the oh, podcast. So I was going to bring them up. Okay. Yeah. They're great. They're good friends of mine, like awesome. awesome homies of mine. But one of the things I was talking about is that we don't teach men how to get rejected well. Yep. That is not something that we teach them. Women, mm-hmm. we know how to fucking get rejected. We get rejected every day damn day Day. all day long (laughs) every day long every time we go to ask for this or try to assert that or raise our voice because we know Mm. if we take up here they won't be as threatened as we will if we Mm. talk in our normal motherfucking voice Mm. these are all social things that we're taught and hammered from the time that we're tiny Mm -hmm. so we're used to being rejected we understand how to navigate and manipulate our lives in a way that we can fucking survive but we don't teach cisgendered men how to be rejected But if we were to say, this is how you experience someone not being attracted to you. One of the things I was talking about in that podcast is in some of the sex positive circles that I taught, that I move in and you're you're cheerleading, (laughs) we thank people for when they are not interested in. And we say, thanks for taking care of yourself. Because that's what they're doing. And when we take everything so goddamn personally, It can do nothing but wound and break the ego. And a lot of the shit that we're dealing with, these like inability to pick up on social cues on the low end of these infractions, on the higher end where you're talking about violence and criminal behavior, it's a completely different conversation. Mm -hmm. But there is evidence suggests that a lot of it has to do with fracturing egos at a younger age as well. Mm -hmm. So we need to have these kind of research and studies to to talk about how do we teach people to experience rejection? Mm -hmm. Something that doesn't pull, you know, there is this kind of idea, you know, that that rape is about power, right? That's what they say. Rape is not about sex. It's about power. 
there's evidence to suggest it's both. It mm -hmm. actually is about sex and it is about power. They're not mutually exclusive. So if we are intertwining sexuality with power and someone is assaulting someone out of a fractured state, mm -hmm. what would happen? And this is just a question. What would happen if we taught people how to deal with their hurt at a younger age so it wouldn't grow into this violent mixture of sexuality? Mm -hmm. um, the, the scientist is out of California that did this, had this, uh, this research recently that was talking about how kind of dispelling the myth that, you know, that rape isn't, oh, it's not about sex. It's about power. No, but it, it, yeah. it, we have evidence to suggest that it's about both. Right. We don't know how to experience rejection. And so when we're feeling hurt and our ego is wounded, people lash out, whether it's emotionally or, 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 or sexually or otherwise, mm -hmm. they'll just lash out as a self-protective measure. Right. But if we were to flip it around and teach people how to experience quote unquote rejection, Mm -hmm. And to interpret it in a different light, I think that we would have a, a lot fewer hashtags out there in the world right now. <laughs> yeah. And you look at it like I was just while you're talking, thinking about, you know, all my all my girlfriends being like, oh, you know, we have to focus on self-care and taking care of yourself and, you know, the emotional labor that you're doing. Make sure you make space for yourself. And then at the same time, it's like mocked by the mainstream as um, as like this thing that women with a certain amount of privilege are able to do when other people can't. And there's this conversation happening and I'm not landing anywhere on it, but, but it's never spoken about in terms of like, of, of that we should, cause to me, the underlying thing of it is that the world beats you down and you need to take the time to regroup, rebuild. And however it is that you do that in whatever position you're in, um, it's important, right? Because all this stuff is always happening, but that's never geared towards men that men also the world also beats them down, even yeah. mm -hmm. even though it seems as though it doesn't like there are still things and there is still ooh, this importance <laughs> of like self-reflection and turning inside like inwards and looking at what your experiences are and being kind to yourself and trying to come out the other side. And if that's not a thing that's acceptable for men to do mm -hmm. as well, then this is what we end up with, you know, with a lot of Toxic misplaced masculinity. Yeah, exactly. And misplaced anger and all that other stuff that ends up hurting themselves and the other and people around them. And the mockery of that I see placed on people who try to be better themselves in order to be better for other, uh, better to others is like, it's so frustrating. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a few other things that I, I know you wanted to ask, uh, and I definitely want to hear about it. Uh, sexual work for people who have no mobility. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, my interests, research interests are in um, sex work and disability. And particularly those that are living with like long-term impairments or mobility issues, um, and I have I have you know professional and personal play partners that in the past that, that are um, living with some severe you know mobility issues and MS and these kinds of things that are wheelchair bound, and it's a personal passion for me. Like I I'm fascinated by sexuality and 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 the creativity of the human spirit to find a way. You know, mm -hmm. so that's something that definitely holds a lot of interest. And then I also, you know, see quite a few clients that have have um, physical disabilities, um, such as wheelchair bound persons. And then also this is arguable, you know, depending on you ask, mm -hmm. people have different perspectives about how what we would label as their disability, you know, but for conversation's sake, I'm just going to use it. Um, you know, some folks that are on the autism spectrum mm -hmm. um, and uh, have vocal issues, you know, st things like that, yeah. as well as um, trouble walking and chronic illnesses, stuff like that. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, this isn't the only reason I think sex work should be decriminalized for lots of reasons, but this in particular seems really important in terms of like connection for people who have the deck stacked against them, especially in our society. Yeah, I mean, a lot of the, th the things that we were even talking about a little bit ago about this idea of language is kind of an ableist perspective in general. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different forms of communication out there, you know, and some folks that, that don't rely on, rely on language traditionally or have difficulty processing information or vocalizing. Like, you know, we, we have to get out of this idea that things are one way. And um, at the end of the day, I think it's about connection and everybody, I won't say deserves it because mm -hmm. that's a weird word to right. use. 
but uh, it would be great to have access yeah. to it. People are deserving of love and sex, but uh, not entitled to it. Yeah, because we we did an episode uh, a few. No, it's really interesting though. In in light of this, we did an episode on incels, um, and we and Jesse did a video because a lot of times we'll try and because she started doing videos um, before the podcast, cool. and uh, they're awesome. You should watch them. Yeah, but the response that we got was people that were all male and seemed largely white men. That idea was co opted as as saying like you're not thinking about about us um sex is something that we all should get and these people you people are withholding it from us and and you're saying that we need to do a b and c and it's like no there's a really important conversation to be had here about the ableism and about our kind of ridiculous uh ideas of who is sexually attractive and who's not and and who are, you know, quote unquote, capable of those connections and who are we to put that label on people. But this idea has been taken by by people and completely disempowered a population that that are left out of. I don't want to use the term sexual marketplace because it's not a helpful term, but that are left out of that whole area of life. And the idea that we have criminalized population that does good work, you know, and can help people that feel um, not accepted in, you know, whatever fucking bullshit mainstream ideas of, of acceptance and sexuality and all that kind of stuff. Like, I just don't, the whole thing is just very frustrating. Sex work's not yeah. going anywhere. Right. Lots of people can benefit from it as long as it's sure. non-coerced and voluntary. I'm 100% with you. But here's that question. What is coercion? Everybody has different definitions of coercion. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, if you didn't have to make rent, mm-hmm. would you be going to your service job? No. So that's my point. Mm-hmm. Right. So the argument could be made that you are being coerced into your job. Right. Because of the society that you live in. Right, right. Which you said so, earlier. And I'm not trying to be contrarian for being contrarian's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, I could do that if I want to, but that's not what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to say that this, these are the difficult conversations that we need to have, mm-hmm. which is how do we define these terms? Right. Are they an accurate representation of what we're trying to say? Mm-hmm. If you're trying to say that Everything should be done because you are passionate and happy about it. Mm-hmm. Well, that's that is bullshit. Bullshit. Yeah. Right. I, I guess I'm talking about specifically forced. Like there's that's sure. separate to me. Absolutely. Versus, like forcing like, fraud just a or coercion. And yeah. that's the legal definition. But the coercion is the problem. Yeah. So because of these levels of nuance. Mm-hmm. Right. right. So we can say, oh, I believe that coercion is when someone says, I'm going to hold on to your passport unless you do the sex work. That's right. very clear coercion, right? Right. right? The things that are not so clear are uh, my grandmother is ill and she's going, we don't have health insurance. So if I don't go do sex work because I can't, I'm in the country without papers, right. then I, then my grandmother will not get the medicine she needs this month. Mm-hmm. The argument can be made. That's a coercive situation, right? right. Like coercion through capitalism yeah, but it, it is weird when you like encounter, encounter what you know when the west we perceive it as these hyper you know like conservative right um cultures and then you're like but you did what yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's just like what's on our radar you know like what's mm-hmm. on the radar of different people what is a what's taboo and it's only taboo if it's been a problem if it's always been a thing then like it's just like yeah why don't you do that it's just a thing yeah, yeah. Well, we have a form of legalization here in nevada right so mm-hmm. it's like as we say, sex work is, is shitty in the U.S., but then it's like, yeah, but we've got folks that have been, you know, doing prostitution, you know, just fine, yeah. you know, in, in Nevada. So it's like... Um, also, why is porn legal, but prostitution isn't? Great question. Yeah. Great question. Wonderful question. Thank you. Yeah, it's an amazing one. Yeah, I am 100% with you on that. Yeah. And we're all partakers in, like, some fashion of sex yeah. working. Yeah. Like, yeah, if you watch porn, watch you're part porn. of the sex industry. And mm-hmm. it's amazing that most people don't recognize that. Mm. So yeah. it's actually my one point that I always try to make with everybody. You watch porn, welcome. You're part of the sex right. industry. Mm-hmm. You know, whether or not you're stealing from the sex industry is like is one thing, but you are a part of it. Yeah. So right. it's like I don't it's very difficult when you encounter people that are very, you know, conservative and anti sex work because all you have to do is just say that. Like so you've never watched porn in your life. Yeah. 
Okay. And then when so they say no, it's like, sure. You, I'm sure. <laughs> and it discredits them immediately. So that's why I always tell people, like, when you encounter somebody that, just talk to them about pornography. Mm. Right. And if they're like, yes, but I, it was so bad. I'm like, okay, well, if you, if you impart, imbibed in something and now you, you've been, you know, you've recovered from your issue, <laughs> yeah. you know, that's something else. But people who just flatten out and out say that it's ex- exploitative. I'm like, cool. So you are an exploiter. Yeah. In yeah. the thing that you think is exploitative. Yeah. I think this was in your article and also probably on Semi Woo, the podcast that you were on. Um, but you talk about how there's no uh, HR department for sex workers, yeah. which I think is amazing. Um, and I'm just curious on like what it means to have a, a space to protect sex workers. Yeah. That whole, like the, that quote of like, there's no HR department in the strip club came about because um, as I've been working with different activists, one of the things that we're trying to do is figure out strategies of how to move decriminalization forward. And overwhelmingly, we believe that it's got to come through the already legalized and regulated forms of sex work, because, of course, there are right. legal and illegal forms. But stripping and dancing would be the regulated and, and legal form of sex work right now that's most well positioned to move into um, a decriminalization model because they're expected to have all of the regulations of any kind of labor industry without any of the protections. And that's where the, there's no HR department in the strip club came from. Right. So the idea is that if you are expecting people to have these, you know, state by state and sometimes municipality by municipality regulations, you can wear this, you can't wear that and all that kind of stuff. We, they have no labor protections. I mean, in New York city, the, the labor violations of dancers are, it's atrocious. Mm-hmm. Like it's disgusting when you hear about like, not just the fact that, you know, dancers have to pay to go to work in the form of house fees that can some kind of two to three, four hundred dollars uh, a shift. Wait, oh, yeah. Like that? Like dancers you, have to pay to go on stage. So it's like it's like requiring not to make a really bad comparison, but like people who come to work at a barbershop and have to rent their Correct. chair. Exactly. No, that's a, actually a perfect um, a perfect metaphor. And it's very racist in in New York. Mm-hmm. So house feeds will change depend, depending upon what your race is. If you're a person, oh my God. Who, and not just your race, but the color of your skin within your race. So if you're a lighter skinned African American, many times you'll pay less than a darker skinned person. Oh um, shit! And uh, what they call the urban clubs, right? Mm-hmm. We've got stories, so many stories of management assaulting, harassing, security harassing and assaulting dancers, atrocious stuff. Mm-hmm. So um, New York Stripper Strike started as a as a response to this. And Giselle Marie has been heading that up and she's a dancer. You should definitely like look her stuff up. Um, I was at the beach with her this weekend with a bunch of activists because, you know, I like to party on the beach sometimes, too. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, Got it's. A- carve in that relaxing time absolutely it's (laughs) self-care um but yeah so these are the 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 issues that that dancers are are having to deal with on a regular basis it's just it's it's insane when you think about it the the fact the person's paying this much money to go to work and not have anyone in their corner and you know for something that's so highly regulated Mm. But to have no regulation for the workers to protect them, because this is a labor issue. Mm -hmm. Every time I talk about sex work, everybody focuses on the sex and not on the work. It's labor. Right. doesn't matter if you like it or not like it. I don't like the fact that there's euthanizing of of animals, but it is a labor Mm -hmm. issue. And those people that are in this, you know, in that industry have the same should have the same rights you know, the, as, as everyone else. And the problem is that we're so emotional about sex that we can't think logically mm-hmm. and logically when something is an industry, you know, there can be argues against regulation and legalization, but in reality, our country will not go straight to decriminalization. Mm-mm. It will no, never happen. Not. What will happen is different <laughs> forms of legalization <laughs> in the same way that marijuana happened. Yeah, we're right. still in that debate because it's not federally decriminalized. Yeah. But we are going to that's what's going to happen in the United States, in my view. And a lot of people agree with me in that. And so as we move forward to that, we, you know, we have to remember that that's going to happen one by one. In my view, labor, but also through, you know, the medical use of sex workers, Mm -hmm. which in the UK, you you can use some of your money that you're getting paid for, you know, if you're on public assistance 
can be used for sex workers in some parts of the God, could of you Europe. imagine the conversation that would happen if that was like it, it's like you know I, I have so prescribed many things. orgasms well, well yeah <laughs> yeah I mean, prescribed orgasms prescribed right orgasms. but then you'd have these fucking assholes being like and they're using their food stamps you know what oh, I mean yeah. like that's what I'm thinking about like all of this of course all there's, this crazy there's, stuff there's gonna be all kinds of insanity that breaks like, loose but and then like looking at looking at the way that have you brought up marijuana and looking at the process by which this is kind of unfolding and you're already talking about the different house fees for different you know skin tones mm -hmm. and stuff like that and like the racial underpinnings of the way that legalization of marijuana has been happening yep. just very really scares me for the institutionalized racism is the norm that's been set for how these things go forward mm -hmm. and and to think about the fact that when we move to liberalize things there is a backlash and and on what backs that backlash the problem happens, you know uh, one of many in my view of this idea of this backlash that you're talking about is the fact that we create an other than and we don't have nuanced conversations on our way to those freedoms. Right. So once we get there, it creates the polarization, mm -hmm. which is the fucking predicament we find ourselves in right now. You know, as I'm talking to family members of mine that are very conservative, that are from the American South, that don't understand it, the things that they actually can get behind in my activism is this idea of like the cruelty to keep a person who has severe mobility issues mm -hmm. from being able to pay for a sexual encounter. Someone who mm -hmm. for their entire life wouldn't even be able to experience their own sexuality. And I'll give you a case in point. It's one, the argument that, that is made a lot by folks that are against sex work is that's your body. It shouldn't be monetized. It's a sacred. And many times you'll hear the religious, it's a God, God gave you that body. Okay. I'm like, well, what if God gave you a shit fucking tastic body? What if right. your body did not work the way that the body is quote unquote normally supposed to work? What if the hand that you were dealt is not a hand that can rub yourself? Right. There are people who physically cannot touch themselves and cannot do those things that these folks say should be your business. Right. Right. And what do we do about those folks? Right. Yeah. And what if someone who can't physically them? touch themselves yeah. Yeah, and be like, nah, fuck you, have, have fun for the rest of your life. And furthermore, what do we do about the caregivers that are working with folks like that, that if they're moving them, you know, a, a spontaneous ejaculation does happen. Mm -hmm. So it's like, how do we, do you see what I'm saying? It's like, yeah. these are the conversations that we're, now you're putting that, that responsibility in the hands of someone who's probably getting paid minimum wage to be a mm -hmm. caregiver for a person. Mm -hmm. How do we have the conversations like that? Yeah. Yeah. Right. So these are the things that honestly on the political spectrum, these are the things that I'm finding that more and more libertarians can get behind, mm -hmm. even though right. they're like anti, you know, obvious kind of a lot of stuff with the regulation, yeah, the accessibility. <laughs> right. For folks, we have a lot of libertarians in the sex worker rights movement, believe mm. it or not, before this very reason. Because we believe that, you know, they believe that that government should be out and let people do what they want to do with their bodies as long as they're consenting adults. Right. Which is, a, yeah. is the liberal argument. But my the body, problem my is, choice. Exactly. <laughs> right, yeah. but, the, but we're not bringing in other folks from different viewpoints. We're mm -hmm. having this very, you know, the sex worker rights movement is, is hot right now, right? It's starting to get traction. We're you know, doing a lot of press and stuff like that. But we're a tiny minority. Yeah. We are not going to move this agenda forward unless we get out of our tiny minority and get other people realizing that once they start, we're the canaries in the coal mine. You get us. Next thing they're after is your sexual freedom rights. And with Sesta and Foster, what happened with this, this shitty piece of legislation is now they're going to go after your rights. So your ability to talk about sex online is being threatened and no, no one is paying attention to this. Sestafasa is a horrible, horrible law. Can you give us a little overview yeah, I don't know what that of is. that? Do you know what? Sestafasa was, there were two different um, bills that were put in last spring in the House and the Senate. They were, it was signed into law uh, last spring by, uh, by Trump. <clears throat> it, is, it is a bill that criminalizes and holds legally responsible online platforms for content that their users post. So this is absolutely threatening online right. um freedoms to be right. to be to be blunt and it's a lot of conversation it has to do with communication act and all that kind of stuff but the long and short of it is that uh it's being expressed as an anti-trafficking 
Lobotin, and that's how it got passed um, nearly unilaterally support by by bipartisan support is because it's it's claiming to come and save the girls right mm. but the problem is that it actually does the opposite because before when there were hints of um, trafficking that was happening online uh, a lot of the online platforms that hosted sex worker um, advertising had uh, they had um, groups within their company that were working with law enforcement. Okay, like, like moderators who were moderators and even actually things. folks that were inside of their companies okay. that were tracking um, IP addresses and these kinds of things. And they had a very clear way to identify potential traffic um, survivors and victims and then actually prosecute them because they had the, everything right there. Now the problem is since this um, this piece of legislation passed through, no United States platform can afford to have sex advertising online anymore because they will now be held legally responsible up to 10 years imprisonment. That means the head of Facebook could be thrown in jail if he knowingly allows you to post an advertisement for sex. (gasps) Or better yet, one thing that he perceives as sex, and this is the problem. So everything that looks like it could possibly be is being thrown out. So Google is shutting down people's accounts. They are um, deleting um, pornographers' content. Folks are being kicked off of their Twitter, shadow banned, blah, blah. This has been happening at an astronomical rate. And so it's an attack on sex workers, but it's an uh, attack on sexual freedom rights, mm-hmm. uh, as well as um, things like Twitter. Yeah, excuse me, Twitter and um, Grinder and, and all these um, online applications that are allowing folks to talk about sex openly. So in other words, if, you, if they think that you possibly might be selling some form of sex, including dominatrices like myself, mm-hmm. which we you know are not prostitutes in that traditional sense, we can be banned. But if you post something that even looks like it could be, they'll shut down your account. Like a cartoon vagina? Yeah. Yeah, there even and then I'm and even in the fetish world, mm-hmm. fetish apps are self censoring. So right. you can't use the word BDSM on a Whipler application. You can't use, you can't have portrayals of anything that looks like quote unquote dom sub stuff and master slave relationships because of its its adjacent conversation and word, wording of um, non consent. Right. Mm-hmm. So all of these things are being attacked mm-hmm. on, on a massive scale right now. And pretty soon, when you start to swipe, you're going to be shut down for that as well. If you if you speak about things that are untoward, or if you talk about sex in a way that they could possibly um, construe as commercializing it in some kind of way, because they own everything. Right. That's Google right. owns all of it. That's the thing. You know, <laughs> anything yeah. with your with your with your email. We we talk about like thinking we have personal freedoms. We don't have personal right. freedoms. <laughs> we have personal loans. Yeah. Right? That's what we yeah. have. It's, and that loan can be called in at any time if the stakes are too high. We don't pay for our Google accounts. Right. So it's like it, 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 there's no incentive for them to keep you around if they think that you might be selling sex. Yeah. So and it's, that and the, the, the problem with the bill was is that it's word, worded so poorly that it includes anything that looks like it as well. Mm. And we've had sex workers that have committed suicide over this. It's happened Whoa. because they're having to go back on the street because they can't advertise online anymore. Right. And so, you know, which is more thinking, dangerous work. That's yeah. that's the thing is, is I mean, there's a few different things here is that is that you're using an especially vulnerable population of an already vulnerable population mm-hmm. in order to do bidding that you want to get done for whatever, whatever puritanical reasons that you feel like, you know, the government should be out of everyone's business except for this, except for what is happening, you know, in bodies and between bodies. That's government business, but nothing else is. And you're using an issue that nobody except for fucking traffickers likes the idea of sex trafficking. Yeah. That's a thing that everyone can agree on. And it should be. And, and you know, there have been ways by which to fight this like what you were talking about before the this it's not going away so the more you force people underground the more dangerous it becomes for the people Correct. that are being trafficked we and, can look at that example of the drug trade mm-hmm. right yep. so this is there there is no group of people that wants trafficking less than sex workers right, right. 
And that's the problem, once again, when we were talking about why aren't we being included in Me Too? We're not being included in these policies because we're not looked upon as valid. We're looked upon as victims. The Nordic model is an example of this, which is this idea that you criminalize the Johns, aka the clients, and you don't criminalize the workers because we're all these little victims that can't have any control over our bodies because we're just hypnotized into the misogynistic narrative. And this is the bullshit that's been going around in Europe for quite some time. And the Nordic model gained a lot of traction because people looked at it as a little bit better, right? And it has tremendous amount of problems um, with violence against folks as well. But, you know, it's, it's, it's difficult to talk about the long-reaching effects of this thing because we haven't seen how it's going to play right. out in, um, in the courts yet. But this is a grossly um, abrasive law. It's not constitutional. It's the only law that I know of that has uh, a retroactive aspect of it. So in other words, if you posted something that could be perceived as promoting prostitution, and that's those are the words that they use, promoting prostitution, on your Twitter, you can be held legally responsible for it now, even if you did it three years ago. So it has a retro act that's completely unconstitutional. Where in the world can you be like, hey, you know, before this was a law, yeah. right. we did this thing. Uh, and now you're going to be prosecuted for something that you did five years ago that when it wasn't when it was legal. So that is the other aspect. It's, it's grossly unconstitutional. We're fighting it in the courts now. Wow. We'll see how long it takes to get this thing repealed. But that's what we were right. fighting for at the International AIDS Conference a couple of weeks ago um, and crazy. amongst many other things. But, you know, it's a disgusting, filthy, horrible law that's causing more trafficking, not yeah. less. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate because. You know, people talk about trafficking in terms of a one-dimensional approach. Like, no one talks about domestic trafficking. They don't talk about the food service industry. They don't talk about folks that are being exploited, uh, that are making our meals, that are working and cleaning our houses. No one talks about that, that are picking our fruit. These are gross violations of labor as well, but no one talks about that. Yep. So, so if you're talking about trafficking, it needs to be unilateral. When you're not paying folks a lim- minimum, like a living wage, that's exploitation. Mm-hmm. Right. 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 And coercion. So that's what <laughs> I was talking about that yeah. earlier as an example, yeah. which is there, this is, this is our, these are our mental blocks that we say that this is that and that is that. But when we talk about human trafficking, we need to talk about it in a greater conversation mm-hmm. of exploitation right and protecting folks against that mm-hmm. and like looking at what you were talking about earlier looking at labor and thinking about how we protect and value labor and you know why we discount certain labor mm-hmm. when we're talking about labor rights and as we're moving like in a larger sense into sort of a you know people can bitch about unions all they want but we have labor laws because unions existed and the yeah. and the you know, cutting unions off at their knees isn't going to help, doesn't help anybody. And then, and we're moving towards this gig economy bullshit where people have to have 50 million jobs and they're not protected in any of them. No. Mm-hmm. And there's no, there's, and you don't have, you know, there is no oversight into whether people are old enough to work, whether, how many hours they're working, whether it's a livable wage, whether they're protected in any kind of way. And then you have these companies you know, I'm thinking about Uber right now doing this huge marketing push because God mm-hmm. forbid they, they get regulated. Mm-hmm. Now they want to talk about the rights of their workers. Of course. But they, but they certainly they didn't give a shit about, a shit about a it before. Exactly. No. And it's like, you know, we think about all of these different things and, and like why are, cert- why are certain jobs included and certain jobs dis- like excluded from it? And so and like, you know, by extension, what value do we put not only on the work itself, but on the people doing that work that then, you know, might it. I mean, you just disempower people for so long and you treat them as less than human for so long. And, you know, where does the how do you get your own power back, I guess, at that point? You know, it's. You know, you think about even looking at the service industry when you were talking about about um, lack of protection, lack of an HR department in, you know, in 
for dancers. Like, I've almost never worked somewhere with an HR department where, I, and I've been bartending for <laughs> mm-hmm. 12 years. Mm-hmm. I've almost never been able to, without being afraid, go to somebody to say this thing happened without being scared that I would lose my job, that I would mm-hmm. be punished for, some, for something, that the person that was doing whatever to me would still be allowed back in and right. would somehow find out that I had complained and they put me at more risk. Right. If there is a, especially with sex worker or like say a stripper, if there and there's no HR department and they're violated in some way, their boundaries are violated. Going and reporting is almost more detrimental. So they're in this Absolutely. like this corner where they can't, where they either have to keep accepting this ha- harassment and violation of their boundaries, or they go to the police and either risk exposing their name or get laughed at. Yeah, because mm-hmm. you know or you prosecuted, were, yeah, right? Because you were you were asking for it because right. you were wearing a thong, yeah. And exactly. so you should have had your ass grabbed because you were exposing a part of yourself. You know, it, it, this is a kind of bullshit. That's the first thing that happens when right. you go and report. By the way, mm-hmm. where were you? Mm-hmm. What were you doing? What were you wearing? Mm-hmm. These are common questions that are asked. Yeah. So. You know, when you if you were a sex worker trying to report this, you would not only out yourself and expose yourself to prosecution, should they deem something that you've revealed be on the illegal gray area, mm-hmm. then you also risk being re-traumatized by that mm-hmm. as well as losing your job. So it's always a risk reward analysis. And the problem is, you know, people always talk, well, where are the numbers? Where are the numbers for this stuff? There are no fucking numbers for this. Yeah, you know why? Because you make it impossible for people to report. Mm-hmm. If someone fears, you know, they're going to have some kind of retribution. There's no golden parachute, t- parachute you know. <laughs> That's the parachute it's, I want. This is, the, right? this is the, the problem that we run into over and over again is that when you create a system that is oppressive and you want to get out of that system... How do you do that within the system that's oppressive? Right. And a lot of people talk about breaking the wheel. You know, you just kind of have to opt out and just bulldoze your way through it. Mm. And that's one approach. But I think it's it's a harder approach to work within the system and chip away little by little. Mm-hmm. Everybody bring your shovels. Bring, <laughs> bring your shovels. Pickaxes. Golden ones. <laughs> My invitation said bring your own shovel I brought my own shovel B-Y-O-S Bring your own shovel and shovel up the mess Oh, lately all my friends feel like we need a little, like Oh, yeah. You, happy, happy, doo-doo. Yeah, Girl, you know, so, yeah, something, something positive so we don't leave like, <laughs> it all sucks and then we're going to die <laughs> together slowly, yeah. painfully. There was one episode that we did where I was like, can we just have some hope, please? <laughs> <laughs> can we all just hug? You know, <laughs> that's it's hard, you know, because like, as you know, every medium that we're doing has its limitations, right? So mm-hmm. it's fantastic that we're having a conversation to talk about this stuff, but it's like, you know, people can feel like, what do I do next? Like, how do we, mm-hmm. how do we change this? Mm-hmm. And yeah. if I can give any advice to people is like, first of all, sit down and breathe for a minute mm-hmm. and just take a fucking second to breathe your life in and out and like, let it exist without you tweeting about it or taking a fucking picture about it. <laughs> and then if at that point, you feel like you want to possibly join in to help a little bit. Be realistic about what you can and cannot do. Mm-hmm. If you're a person who values sexual freedom, then join us. Mm-hmm. Join an organization. Join a movement. Show up to our actions. You know, get get educated and listen to sex workers. Listen to us, not just me. There are people who are... Um, have different perspectives than I do about this and listen to them too, because you need that in order to formulate your own opinions about things. But hashtag nuances, nuances. (laughs) totally. (laughs) But if you want to be a part of this thing, like we need all bodies on deck and we need all perspectives on deck, but like we got to start listening to each other. I'm just so fucking exhausted by yelling Mm -hmm. and like, you're right and I'm wrong. And I'm just, I'm exhausted from it too. I think everybody is like we have, there comes a point when you're in an argument for so long that your, your body gives up. And it's that moment that I feel like we're at 
in, in a lot yeah. of this stuff where we once we're exhausted, we can start picking things together and seeing what's real and what's not. And so don't take know, a nap is what you're saying. Don't but but rest. Yeah. Taking a nap Take is naps. like is saying I'm opting out, but mm-hmm. like resting and sitting and just like living with this frustration for a second and letting it marinate and asking yourself how in my world and my small corner of this universe can I contribute to be a part of the solution rather than the problem? Mm-hmm. You know? And when you're talking like this is a sex positive podcast, you know, y'all in my opinion are probably trying to help people like be happy about sex, right? Mm-hmm. Like be positive about it. Break That's that taboo. Break mm-hmm. that taboo. You know, in in that, it's also, it's just sex. Right. Right? Like it's just like yes. breathing. It's just like food. <laughs> it's just sex. Yeah. It's like sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you don't. <laughs> She said to her ex-boyfriend a few times. (laughs) (laughs) So if we can all just fucking calm down about sex and just start having conversations about respect Mm -hmm. and dignity, Mm -hmm. we're going to probably start coming up with some good solutions about like me too and stuff like that. If we can be like, how do you feel respected? What would make you feel respected? How can I tell you you're beautiful without you feeling like I'm coming at you? And if I do, and if I do, Mm -hmm. how are you going to handle that? Right. Are you going to lose your shit and tell me I'm a horrible person and create a situation in which I can't come to my own fault failings. Cause that's part of the problem that we're doing right now. Because when you have given, for instance, women now are like for the first time y'all are listening to us, holy fucking shit. Yeah, and fuck so we're loud that? and we're like, ah, because you haven't been listening to us like for millennia, right. but we also need to be careful that we're not going to the opposite side of the spectrum and vilifying people that are just doing things out of ignorance. Like we all have done. You can tell when someone's disrespecting you and you can tell them when they're just being like ignorant of things. And if we will like learn to know the difference, we can start having more allies than, than, you know, enemies in this movement so that we can actually destroy the movement. It'd be great when me too is over. Yeah. Yeah. Right. For I'm sure. looking forward to it yeah, when it is too. not a thing anymore oh. and it belongs in the sociology books, you well, know? I just said me, me too by accident, <laughs> but I just meant me as well. <laughs> It'll be great when it's gone though, right? Yeah, I mean... Everyone is so, like, armed, I guess. Mm. Uh, and 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 I found myself doing it too, like, especially, like, when, when it was, like, a deluge. Um, and I found myself being... Think, thinking the worst of a lot of people um, and bringing that into the conversations that I was having. And, and it definitely, and it was because I was so tired and overwhelmed and frustrated and, and just, you know, I felt like I was drowning, I think. Uh, but then in the time that has passed in the last couple of months, just realizing that we're all going through it now. Like everybody, men and women, Mm. things are changing really quickly and stuff doesn't make sense and everyone's drowning. Everyone's trying to figure it out. And the only thing that we can do is to try and hear the other person. And sometimes what they're saying is not really worth hearing and then you excuse yourself from the conversation. Put the earmuffs back on. Yeah, but to just hope that people are coming with an open mind and with the with the desire for conversation and going from there. And sometimes they're not, and you just yeah. walk away. And when they're not, to nothing them. Right. That's part of the problem, yep. is that we are feeding into that insane narcissism yep. by engaging with it. Yep. But, you know, the best way to, you know, disseminate a problem is to nothing it. Mm-hmm instead of giving it more of your energy. And that's part of the problem is like, you know, when people feel like they're getting attention for a bad behavior, you're just reinforcing that bad behavior. Let them die off in the corner by themselves. We need to stop feeding it and start coming up with solutions on in sex education mm-hmm. and these kinds of things and looking to the next generation of how we're going to treat people and how we're going to teach them about consent and boundaries. And <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's I, I'm I'm with you, though, like I, it's, sex edge is a huge, a huge part about it is that until people 
stop looking to try to plug the hole in this sinking Titanic of a boat. We got to jump ship off this bitch <laughs> yeah. and like go for land and We're get another butterfly. What is yeah. it? Yeah, the butterfly. <laughs> the, the butterfly. Throws your shoulders out. But that's the problem is that we're trying to save a sinking ship. Let it yeah. die. Yeah. Let yeah. the let the like let the dickwads die off. Let the assholes die off in a corner. Bye. Leave them Please. alone. They're gonna drown in the misery anyway. We can't <laughs> change them. Let them give like, them a cocktail. Give them a cocktail. Them, you know, Bye. 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 <laughs> but we have a whole generation where we can change this. And if yeah. we don't shift our focus yeah. into what's happening now in our world and the things that we actually can control, yeah. mm-hmm. we will miss the whole thing and we'll be doomed to repeat this in yeah. another way in yeah. another 10, 15 cool. years. Before we go, is there any organizations that you would recommend people check out? Yeah, um, SOAR Institute, um, Gays and Lesbians Living in a Transgender Society. Um, there are some fantastic organizations that are working with LGBTQ people here in New York, abroad. Um, there's the Global Network of uh, Sex Work Projects, which is for sex workers internationally, and it's kind of like a meeting ground for lots of different other smaller organizations. Um, and definitely, you know, definitely take a look in your local areas. Um, there's usually a swap sex workers outreach project in a small and smaller cities as well. Mm-hmm. But if you are wanting to be an activist, maybe you just like sex workers, maybe you just like your sexual freedom. There are ways that you can get involved yeah. um, with us. And uh, definitely um, some of those organizations will be able to point you in the right direction if you want to start moving to activism. If you just want to, you know, support us in general, give to those organizations. These are yeah. 501c3s that are doing the Lord's work. <laughs> thank you for so much. That was the best thank you ever. Thank I actually do want to thank you all. Oh, I thank you for letting me come in your vagina. All about consent. Yeah, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Welcome to My Vagina. It's time for us to slide on out of here. Gross. You like that? Sometimes I make myself laugh. We'd also like to thank our fantabulous producer, Caitlin Moldenhauer of More Banana Productions, for producing us, hosting us, and for helping us reach our goals. You guys, we are having an ongoing conversation, and we really want to hear your thoughts, questions, and concerns. So make sure to drop us an email at welcometomyvagina at gmail.com or DM us on Instagram, also welcome to my vagina. We might even discuss it on our next episode. Also check out Jessie's videos at welcometomyvagina.com, and please subscribe to her YouTube channel, Welcome to My Vagina, so she doesn't have to bartend anymore. So we don't have to bartend anymore. We don't anymore. have to read my blog. <laughs> Please check out FranklyRebecca.com, where Rebecca slays you, politically smacks you, and reminds any misogynist to sit down and shut the fuck up because she's smarter than you, and that's a fact that I support. Also, you can find us on Twitter at Welcome to My Vag because of that fucking letter limit. <laughs> and if you want to support us, you can do that too. Just go to Patreon and type in Welcome to My Vagina Podcast and give us your money. Give us your money. Thank you so much for listening and we are stoked to prick your ears in two weeks. Bye. Rebecca, say bye. Oh, bye. See you next Tuesday. (laughs) 